You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. (laughs) I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. uh, We are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman. (laughs) It is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. (laughs) (laughs) We do a podcast? What the fuck? Spider-Man, I've been listening to the Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. And they've been saying that you'll be moving to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that maybe you're going to be in the next Avengers. Who are you again? It's your old pal, Electro. Of course I remember you. You're my eyes and ears. So what do you think, Spider-Man? You think Electro and Spider-Man are going to be in the next Avengers movie? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, me anyway. Later, eyes and ears. The fan holes in Spider-Man. They lied to me. They stubbed my toe. That sideshow Mary Jane statue is a dirty hole. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Continuing our month-long coverage of Avengers comics in honor of the new Avengers Age of Ultron. This is Derek, Derek WC, with you here tonight. And joining me tonight are two of my fellow Fan Holes ready to assemble. Why don't you give a shout-out, guys? Hey, it's Mike, and I put the Taz in Tasmania. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Tony, and this impression has nothing to do with the show at all. Bugger <laughs> all. All right, yeah. So we're actually, well, kind of. We're, we're, we're going to talk about Cullen Bloodstone. Maybe that's your Cullen Bloodstone, Tony. You never know, <laughs> yeah. right? We'll go with that. <laughs> like, maybe that's Captain Britain, where he's like, It's all right. You didn't know no better. You know, like, <laughs> he's a little boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll be okay. Take a seat, won't you? So what we are discussing tonight, uh, kind of a little off the beaten track as far as Avengers stuff goes, but this is kind of a follow-up on one of our previous podcasts, and on one of our previous episodes, we did cover Avengers Arena, which was kind of this whole battle royale knockoff where a bunch of different kids were abducted by the supervillain Arcade and brought to his island that was kind of a big take on murder world. So this is kind of like the aftermath of all that. And it's actually called Avengers undercover. And so it's kind of a sequel series in a way. And it's written by the same writer, Dennis hopeless. And then there's a couple different artists, but for the majority of the 10 issue run of this, it is Kev Walker. And they came out around March, 2014. So I guess what I'll do is I'll read this brief, quick synopsis, 
and then we can start talking about kind of what we thought about the the uh, ten issues and and what we thought of the story and characters and stuff like that. But the synopsis is as follows: When teen heroes infiltrate the masters of evil, who will break bad? Damaged by their experience in Murder World, five conflicted young superhumans go rogue and infiltrate the Masters of Evil, planning to bring the Avengers' rivals down from within. But the longer the teens spend undercover, the more they descend into darkness, and as they start to build relationships with these multi-layered criminals, the line between good and evil blurs. What will happen first? Joining the Masters for real, or getting exposed and killed? What happens when the teens confront their former captor, Arcade? And what on earth do the undercover heroes do that brands them as public enemy number one? If you thought Murder World was dangerous, just wait until the most promising new talent Harvey Award winner, Dennis Hopeless, and acclaimed artist, Kev Walker, surround you with evil. So that was kind of cropped from various different synopses. I, I kind of feel like an asshole for saying that, like, who will break bad thing. Like, I know they have Chase say it. Like, he's like, you're going to break bad. But I feel like it's like this kind of, um, I don't know, this, like, of the moment phrase because Breaking Bad <laughs> is, like, super popular or something. And, like, maybe 20 years what? from now, people are going to be like, what the fuck does that mean? What you doing, Hazmat? Making meth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but, um, you know, the, the, the that's the basic synopsis. I mean, the first issue deals with the fallout from Avengers Arena. We're following up with all the different cast of characters who were actually survivors. Well, most of them, anyway. The characters we follow up with are Hazmat, of Avengers Academy, uh, Chase and Nico from The Runaways, Death Locket, Cammie, Cullen Bloodstone, and Anachronism. So, I mean, basically, I guess Anachronism is the guy who kind of gets the band back together because he ends up showing them these videos that Cullen Bloodstone's been making. And, you know, I, I think the idea is that they're all suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder after they sort of experienced this kind of Lord of the Flies island scenario. And that you know, Cullen has taken it very seriously, and, and he basically, his goal in life now is to hunt down any indication or, or idea that Arcade is around and either blow up his property and, and hopefully go after the man himself. And then on the, uh, the final page of the first issue, you, we see that, uh, you know, the Masters of Evil are definitely playing a role because this, this big gigantic crater that I guess Cullen Bloodstone has, has le leapt into, you know, where he last heard Arcade was supposed to have been, um, but is also supposedly a base of operations for the Masters of Evil. I guess it turns out that just basically, like, on that final page, the all the Masters of Evil have shown up, and it looked kind of like they were controlling Cullen Bloodstone in what I like to call his Uzaru, you know, his monster mode, basically. And in this incarnation, the Masters of Evil, it specifically is, it looks like Baron Zemo now, once again, has the reins of the Masters of Evil instead of the stupid Bendis, you know, hood who was controlling his his mega hip-hop Masters of Evil. I think, I think I don't know, I, I still feel like this is the mega hip-hop Masters of Evil. It's just Zemo's in charge now with, like, 
because like Madame Mask is still there, and then Constrictor seems to be like one of his right hand men. And then oddly enough, I know Justin isn't around, but I I, I can I can't help but think of Justin when talking about Damien Hellstrom, who is also one of Zemo's lieutenants, which. I, I don't know, like, I guess I guess that's a, a constant pang where sometimes he's a good guy and sometimes oh. who's ever in charge presents him as a bad guy, right? I guess if you want to save, like, face for Damien Hellstrom, uh, that, that maestro of mediocrity, uh, Cullen Bunn, uh, wrote an actual, like, out for that where he was like, uh, I, I forgot, I think it was towards the end of Venom, his run on Venom, where he... He wrote, like, that Cullen Bloodstone had been, like, splitting off himself into multiple versions, and they were all off doing different things, so you could just assume this is, like, some dude... What's that? You mean Hellstrom, right? Hellstrom, that's what I meant, yeah. Um, You can assume this is just some, like, dupe or something. Oh, like like another aspect of him that he sent off and that it decided to hang out with with Baron Zemo and the Mega Hip Hop Masters of Evil? Yeah, Jamie Mad Madrox, son of Satan. <laughs> Basically, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like I know I know what you're saying. Like that, especially when it's all like the young kid, like Masters of Evil right, or whatever. Right, like, but well, I feel like I feel like Zemo is more of a upper class for like people like Madam Mask and Constrictor to be hanging out with. So like you know, a, a higher class than the Hood. So yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I think it's good that Baron Zemo's at the helm. I, I will admit, I mean, by the second issue, you, you kind of go to, like, supervillain prom, and, like, a lot of the bad kids, like the, the you know, who I'm calling, like, the mega hip-hop masters of evil or whatever, like, I guess they're comprised of a lot of supervillains from titles that I don't really read and I didn't know too much about. So I, I kind of had to do some research. But, I mean, basically it's like, in the Runaways and Young Allies and Dark Rain and stuff, there were all these teen villain groups that were introduced. So a lot of these characters play pretty big roles in Avengers Undercover because they all mingle with our lead cast of characters. So you've got, like, I'm trying to remember, like, there, there's all these characters. Like, they don't really, they, they, they don't do much of the, like, Legion of Superheroes or Chris Claremont X-Men tropes, where, you know, back in the old days, I know when, when me and Tony were, like, you know, I don't know, riding dinosaurs around or whatever, and they used to print comics, um, they, they used to, you know, do the Claremont thing where it's like, who's this guy? His name's Wolverine, and there'd be, like, a caption box, and it would tell you, like, what his superpower was and what the fuck he did and stuff like that. And these days, now, it's like you sort of have to like, go to the internet and look up the comic issue and see what characters appeared. And that's basically kind of what I had to do. I mean, did, did you guys know any of these guys, like the Bastards of Evil or the Young Masters <laughs> or any of these guys, like, before you read this this title? Yeah, I, 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 I knew who most of them were. Like, I, I had read the uh, um, the Dark Reign uh I think I think it, the Dark Reign uh, Young Avengers miniseries. I I think that's where the yeah the the Young Masters of Evil showed like, up. Like I remember so. that one version of the Enchantress, like where it was the younger. Oh the, yeah, she showed and like some of them showed up in Avengers Academy. Yeah, too. yeah, like I, I remember her and uh, Egghead. And, yeah, like. Uh, 
I forgot who else, but uh, the girl with like the six arms or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. It's like it, basically like, but some of these other guys, like, like I didn't realize that one little goofy guy in the the knight armor was like another version of the Black Knight, or like there was another guy. I guess his name is Morg the Vampire, and he was that white, pale little dude who was like turning into puffs of smoke and stuff. And then, like, you know, you, you see when they, they go into this bar, like, which is Arcade's bar in the Masters of Evil headquarters and everything, and there's, like, all the dance music where it's, like, oomph, 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 or whatever in the background. And, like, I guess Porcupine gets, like, thrown through the window and stuff. So it's, like, some of these guys, like, I'm pretty familiar with. Like, I know who the Tinkerer is. I know who the Wrecking Crew are. I know who Porcupine is. Like, they're they're all kind of villains from, I guess, my my heyday, you know, like, they, they seem pretty familiar to me, but, like, the, the one guy, Excavator, like, I had no idea, I guess he's from Runaways, because I'm, obviously, I've, I've mentioned I'm not a huge reader of Runaways or whatever, but I, I mean, if he looks like Piledriver, I, you know, there's no coincidence there, because I guess he's supposed to be the son of Piledriver, so at first I just thought, aren't they drawing Piledriver a bit skinny, and then I realized, like, it wasn't even the same character, and, you know, it was his son and everything. And then, like, I, I know there are these chicks that, like, fight over Chase to, like, you know, see who can dance with them or whatever. And I had no idea who they were, but apparently their names are Lascivious and Letha. But they, you know, I guess what I, my point is, they don't really spell out who these characters are. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. Damien Hellstrom's there. I knew who Damien Hellstrom is. And then he's sitting there chilling with Satanish. And it's like... I, I don't know. It's just weird to me. Like, I'm like, uh, in that scene, I was kind of like, Satanish is just like, I don't know, chilling with Hellstrom in a club. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it seemed <laughs> off to me. Like, like this guy is apparently like a demonic underlord, but then he's just like hanging out at a table going, ah, humans are weird. You know, and I'm just like, but he loves that club music. He's like, oops, oops, yeah, oops, he's like, oops. he's like, they don't, they don't have that in hell. Oops, 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 oops. You know? yeah. The little face in his stomach is like going, oops, 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 oops. it's like, yeah, like Dormammu comes in and everybody's like, Dorm, and he's like, yeah, you know, like, does a dog eat dog world? I'm wearing milk bone underwear. You know? Well, I, I mean, I guess, I guess, just to to sort of elaborate on some of the plot for people who are listening in, I mean, basically the the idea is all these kids are sort of dealing with the after effect of Arcade basically posted this video of them, you know, being kind of little bloodlustful kids on an island, you know, um, Lord of the Flies style. And, and, and the way people react to them is odd, too, because it's on, you know, essentially TV or on the Internet. You know, it's almost like there's a disconnect, like it's not real. So, like, when Deathlock is getting examined before she goes off with the kids to the Masters of Evil headquarters, it's like there's a, a guy there that's like, oh, don't worry about that that person that's examining you. They're kind of cold, but me, I'm a fan. Like, I liked it when you blew away so-and-so. And she's kind of like, what? He's like, that was real, you know? It wasn't just a TV show. Like, that kind of stuff actually happened. And I guess, you know, Chase reacts to it differently, where he's just trying to go with the flow, and he goes on the talk show circuit, and that's where... Nico comes in and pulls him out and ports him with all the other kids and they go after, you know, Cullen, you know, who's been, you know, making all these videos about Arcade and it's almost like he's a little, um, 
you know, son of Sam or, you know, kind of like he's got all the newspaper clippings of Arcade and all these connections. And, of course, he's tracing them back to the Masters of Evil. And so you think that maybe something has either happened to Cullen, like he's been kidnapped or brainwashed or whatever. But actually, the twist of it is when they finally find him at this supervillain prom, you know, at this dance club at Arcade's bar... He actually sort of saves all their asses because, you know, these guys maybe are about to, the masters of, of uh, evil are about to throw down with all these kids. But then, you know, Colin busts out and says, hey, these, these guys are my buddies and we're all going to, you know, join you guys and that kind of thing. And it looks like Colin's been the guy to sort of ingratiate himself into the masters of evil. And it turns out like the son of Satan, Damien Hellstrom, is sort of been tutoring him in, in how to train his monster mode, you know, that, that it's not such a negative thing anymore. I guess he's got, you know, hellfire cages where the monster can't do any damage, and he can let him out a little bit at a time. So at this point, he's, like, using it to, you know, get beers off a waitress's drinking table or something. So it's not quite as lethal or, or dangerous as it was in Avengers Arena, where the minute he unleashed the monster, it just meant everybody was in some some serious shit, you know. Like, hey, everybody, shots on Galtarox. <laughs> Gladarox, or however you say that damn thing. Yeah, I never bothered to figure that out. I don't know, it's funny, it's like, you know, like when we talked about Arena, we were, you were, we were all kind of like, you know, who were you rooting for? And Derek, you were kind of like, you know, Oh, like I identified with like Cammy and stuff, and uh, you know, all of us were kind of saying like who was our like touchstone and stuff. Yeah. For this series, like my touchstone was kind of like Baron Zemo. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty much like I, I don't have any problem with any of the kids or anything, but I, I like when I saw like Zemo was going to be involved, I was like, oh, cool! Like he's like one of my favorite like you know Marvel villains and stuff, or Marvel anti-heroes, whatever you want to call. So like in a, like I, I I really enjoyed him like throughout this series like I know like maybe some people like I maybe I'm a little disappointed that they like kind of pulled back from his like sort of redemption like arc from Thunderbolts but now now I I feel like he's kind of incorporated that into being a bad guy where he kind of understands like how the heroes work now. He's just kind of like a, he's like, he's, he's the kind of bad guy I like, where he's like, sort of like the hobgoblin, like he's a smooth criminal, like, you know, he yeah, has I, a plan I think, within I think, a plan. I, I think he does some really nice monologuing, especially in the third issue, you know, he, he basically breaks it down to all the kids and everything, and, and, and it's when they're watching him, because I guess, you know, at the end of the second issue, the, the big climax is that. Uh, Colin Bloodstone obviously has been a pupil of Damien Hellstrom, and he has Hellstrom send them to what is currently, I guess, what Arcade's up to, where, you know, even though all these, these heroes are trying to hunt him down for what he did in Avengers Arena, the way he's still pulling off his own little private murder world games, I guess, is he has all these millionaires who want to sort of cosplay, I guess, in Murder World, you know, so they all come in, pay him a bunch of money, and then everybody tries to, like, kill everybody at these, like, swanky parties, and that's, like, his current way that he does Murder World and everything, and so there's this situation where they all get teleported there, um, 
I, I thought it was a little weird because now, like, all these, I guess you'd say, like, young, pubescent teen girls are now in these elegant, swanky, uh, little slinky black dresses. And, like, I, I don't know if I'm just, uh, I, I felt like it was like when you'd read Judge Dredd or, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and they all have the red masks. And you're like, wait a minute, who's Leo again? Like, who's what? Who, wait, is that? Did Dred just get shot in the head? What? You know? And and like, yeah. like there was that, you know, there's that moment with some of the art where, you know, Hazmat, who I guess would be one of my touchstones from Arena, like she almost goes catatonic after she sees Arcade again, and she's catatonic this this whole time. Basically, I, I kind of, I know, like I kind of kept confusing her with Cammy. Yeah, because like, it's like it's like they're all they're all kind of in that same black dress or whatever, and then and then basically like I guess the the big punchline at the end of it is I mean yeah they have a lot of hemming and hawing over whether or not they're actually going to kill Arcade, but Hazmat finally snaps out of it and you know kills his ass after they all do this like you know beat down on him or whatever, and when I first read that. I was kind of like, wait, who, who is that? You know, like I didn't, I don't think I realized it was hazmat at first, like because of that, that syndrome, you know, that they're all girls in these slinky black dresses and they almost all looked the same to me, you know, dark haired girls and slinky black dresses. And I was like, wait a minute. And then, and then I realized like when she, she used her power and it was colored green, I'm kind of like, oh, oh, that's hazmat and that's her radiation. And she's, She's blowing away Arcade and everything. And, you know, basically, like, my, my note for this issue, this third issue, is the one where the kids beat the crap out of Arcade and Hazmat kills his ass. You know, like, that's <laughs> that's basically what that issue was. I mean, and and I, I, I like the way Zemo, I know, you like, since you're saying Zemo was, like, your touchstone, I, I like how Zemo basically knew the kids would kill him. And he played them, you know, like that, that's part of the, uh, a much bigger plan. You know, there's, there's more machinations going on than you would know, but, you know, reading the issue at the time, but it, it, it was kind of cool to see him sort of break down, you know, look into their eyes, you know, like, uh, you know, I see it in their <laughs> eyes. Like these are people who have been, you know, violated and, you know, he knew that they would, you know, want to get their comeuppance on. I, lo- I love that, like, he has, like, Hellstrom, like, mask and Constrictor all, like, watching it on TV with, like, pretzels and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, like, like, you know, and then, like, a uh, mask, like, gets money from, like, Constrictor because she's like, I-, I bet on this. Like, yeah, I knew yeah. this would happen. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, I, that does kind of help their, uh, their cred as, like, the elder statesman of the evil guys, you know? Evil guys. Evil guys. Well, I get. Yeah, well, it's cool because, like, later on, like, Zemo's like, you guys are the ones who said we were evil. We just decided to own, like, yeah, the we, title. We're basically. owning the title. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting that, like, in the past in Marvel, we've had New Warriors and we've had uh, Young Avengers. And both of those teams, when they were like, you know, hey, Avengers, you should help us to learn and train. And, like, the Avengers were like, no, fuck you. And. <laughs> And then, like, all these, like, young supervillains are like, you know, we want the, like, older guys to, like, train us so we can be better. And, like, the, the Masters of Evil are like, we will help this younger generation of evil. 
Well, yeah, it, it is very much. I mean, I, I, I may have brought this up or I may be bringing it up later, but it did feel a lot like high school or college orientation, but with like the big supervillains, you know, like, and then they're being shadowed by like the younger kid supervillains and stuff. And, uh, you know, but, but I guess going back to where, you know, they basically took out arcade, like all these kids and everything. I just wanted to say like, the the trope that happens next is basically like shield like just comes out of the goddamn woodwork and it's like there's helicarriers and all these dudes ready to like take these kids to jail and like i just want to say like i hate this fucking trope like i hate it like when in fucking mask of the phantasm the gotham pd like busts their ass and like there's 2000 of them all ready to shoot up batman i'm like if all those assholes would spend half that energy going after the fucking Joker or going after, like, you know, <laughs> the Masters of Evil or Arcade instead of the Arena Kids, like, we, we, wouldn't, we, have, we wouldn't have to deal with this bullshit. So I, I, I don't know. I just I, I know it's like, oh, then there'd be no story. But, like, I hate that so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like when the government's, like, come down on mutants. It's like 2,000 government agents just to take down, like, Leech or some shit. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like, come on, man. It's like, what? well, where were those guys when, you know, Strife or Apocalypse or Magneto were, were wrecking shit up, you know? But, yeah, I, I, I do think it, it gave some nice, like, character moments, like where all the kids are in, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. jail or whatever, you know? You get to see Cammy talk to her mom and interact in that way. And then, you know, you get to see, you know, I guess for fans of the Runaways, you know, like Molly's there kind of seeing Chase and Nico and stuff like that. But I guess being a fan of Avengers Academy like I was, I did like that shot of Reptile and um, the girl. What's her name? Finesse. Finesse. Yeah, Reptile and Finesse. And like they're they're just like, hey. And she's like, hey. You know, like I don't know what that – it was just like I like that because like, it's just like – there, there, there's no judgment between them. Like they're all friends. It's just like it'd be like you know, okay, you know, like you know, I'm stuck behind a jail cell, and you guys show up, and it's just like, hey, dude, what's up? I'd be like, hey, man, hey, what's man. going on? Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, basically, that doesn't last too long because, as we've been saying, Hellstrom has all this big bad magic going on, and he basically ports them out of Shield Jail. And and this kind of gets them, like, massive cred in the mega hip-hop Masters of Evil community because they've they've murdered Arcade, so everybody's kind of, like, cheering for them and, you know, basically wants them to join. I mean, this is where Baron Zemo, a.k.a. Purple Nurple, makes his big pitch, you know, <laughs> like, because he, he basically is like, look, you know, you are gifted, you know, you are exquisite specimens, you know, like, you are the ideal in, in this superhero community, but you know, what, what life is there for you? You, you, it's like they put you in jail because you took out some asshole who deserved it. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he says, you know? And, and, you know, you, you know, in some ways you can't help but agree with them. It's like, they're going to be punished for taking out some twisted sicko who, you know, kidnapped them all and, force them to kill each other. I mean, you know, like he's like that, that, that isn't right. You know? So, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and that's why, um, uh, you know, that's why I think he, he does, uh, he does come off pretty well in the majority of this series. You wish to know why I lead? Because I am better than you. 
I like I like the fact that he has like his own like swastika now. Oh, yeah, like it's, it's not it's not like the swastika. It's a, just a Z symbol or whatever. It's funny how but, like the constrictor and Madame Mask also have that that the Z <laughs> symbol and yeah. outfit and everything where they're they're wearing the. The Z armband and everything like that. See, I, I just like to think that, like I said, Zemo's like a smart guy and he knows the power of branding. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he knows the lightning bolt for Thunderbolts or the A for Avengers or whatever yeah, yeah. now. So. We are yeah. the Thunderbolts. <laughs> yeah. The Thunder, the, the, Z, the Team Zemo. But, I mean, by, by then, you know, basically by that last page, you know, Zemo is asking the kids, you know, join us, you know, and, and, and even in the fifth issue, even though, you know, it's like, okay, think about it, think it over. But it's funny because basically you got Zemo's captains, you know, Madam Mask and Constrictor, you know, they're, they're taking in Hellstrom and, and they're taking the kids under their wing. So it's like, you know, th- this is the point where I'm like, oh, welcome to the mega hip hop masters of evil orientation. My name is Damien Hellstrom. I will be your magic instructor for this afternoon. You know, like that's kind of what's, going on you know my name is constrictor i will be the the you know rough and tough rowdy destruction coach for this afternoon and it's like i'm madam mask i will be you know the refined thief you know assassin sex bomb whatever coach for this afternoon you know um the, the only thing that i'd say is it, it's like it's funny that and i i i want to ask you guys what you thought of this too but i feel like it's been five issues and and they don't actually deal with the title until the fifth issue. And even then it's kind of ass backwards. Like it, I, I, I kind of thought when, when I saw this promoted originally, I kind of thought like they were going to be undercover from the beginning. But in this case, it's not so much 21 jump street as it is. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's just, if 21 jump street, wasn't 21 Jump Street. It'd be like if it was, you know, the Outsiders, and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we got to get some cred, and we're now we're good guys, you know, like, like almost like, because it's like there, there's that weird element of kind of ass-backwardsness to it. Like, they don't actually, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but they don't actually have a home contact until they talk to Hank Pym, and that's almost the, like at the very end of the, I guess you'd call it now a maxi-series or whatever, but you know, I, what do you guys think of that? I mean, did you, do you think the title's kind of misleading? Like, could you think of anything else to call it, or, or does it work, and it, it, since it's this kind of decompressed storytelling, it's not as big a deal that it's, you know, not really undercover until issue five? Yeah, maybe something like Avengers Redeemed, or you know, Avengers do this at the beginning, then they do this later on, but that's too long of a title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess, uh, like, I guess I didn't think of it like in that those terms. Okay. But I guess the the concept of being behind enemy lines is pretty like you know apparent from the first issue. So I guess like, well, that's so, what that, I thought. That sounds cool too. I mean, what if you just called it Avengers Behind Enemy Lines? You know, yeah. or, or whatever. You know, like something like that. You know. But, yeah, or if they were going for like the gut punch, you know, Avengers, traitors, or you know, whatever, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, some, yeah, because it, it just seemed weird to me that they they don't really take the option to be undercover until this point in the series, like until the midway point. So, I mean, you know, basically, like like 
all the kids basically agree by the end of the issue. They say, Zemo, we're in, except for Cammy, who's like, I'm not putting up with all this supervillain bullshit. And she's going to, like, rock it off and go back to hang out with her mom, who's a recovering alcoholic. And then basically Constrictor grabs her and totally knocks her out as she tries to fly off. And he's like, you should have took the off, a kid. You know, like, that's basically what happens at the end of that. He's like, yeah, ain't having that shit. You know, <laughs> just stopped her dead in her tracks and stuff. But, like, yeah, I mean, it could be very well. And, I mean, I'm not saying this as one of those know-it-all, like, fanboys and stuff. Maybe they just really didn't have their direction set when they started out the series. And then they were, like, you know, started cooking on all burners by, like, the fifth issue. You yeah, know? yeah. I, I, I feel like, like, it... They they took their time in the beginning, but I, I feel like maybe this was intended to be like twelve or fifteen issues or something. But then maybe the say I mean I'm just reading into it. I don't know the facts of it or anything. But the, it feels like you know I I was like by the time it got to like the ninth issue, I was like wow, how are they going to wrap all this up? You know, and and they did a pretty good job of it, admittedly. But I I just wasn't sure that they were going to be able to sort of wrap everything up in a neat bow and that kind of ties to what you're saying Tony that it does I don't know about these first five issues maybe the direction was a little unknown at that point but but it did seem a little rushed as the series kept going like that they they knew they had an end point at some point yeah they like they like got to a point where they're like okay we have our end game and it's going to be a lot sooner than we thought, so let's just go ahead and get this shit, you know, done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and I kind of brushed over this, but, uh, you know, th- there is this moment where one of the characters from Runaways is resurrected by Damien Hellstrom as sort of a tutor for Nico from the Runaways. And again, like I said, I don't know dick about the fucking Runaways. So, one, I guess I don't care about it all too much. It was like this big splash page reveal, like, oh shit! Alex Wilder is back! You know, it's like, oh, Optimus Prime is back! Like, I get it, it's supposed to be like this huge deal and everything, but what's interesting is, as opposed to like all those young villains who I didn't know the names of and had to research, like in this case, they actually knew enough to give him like a little caption blog that was like, this is Alex Wilder, he died, they used to like be boyfriend and girlfriend, cool, alright, keep reading, you know, and I was like, okay, good, like, I don't need to go back and read anything, because they gave me, like, this quick blurb to, like, sort of catch me up to pace with with what is going on, and, like, it probably didn't have the same impact had I been a long and loyal reader of The Runaways, but, I mean, it got the job done. Well, yeah, well, the thing about that, you know, you always hear in movies, like, show, don't tell, but with comics, with, like, their long-ass fucking continuities and all this shit that's happened, no, sometimes you just gotta fucking tell, you know? Well, yeah, especially when you haven't built it up. You haven't told or shown in the last five issues, you know? Like, there's not, like, something where she was just like, oh, oh, remember the good old days when I used to be boyfriends with this guy? Oh, my gosh, he's back. You know, like, that would set it up, too. But, you know, it's like they didn't even do that. It's just supposed to be like, dun-dun-dun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, by by issue six, we we have a brief Captain America guest spot. Uh, Death Locket and Chase are with Constrictor's kind of like rowdy, stomping, punching crew or whatever, and they head out to Aim Island to finally you know kind of earn their keep for the the Mega Hip Hop Masters of Evil. 
And basically, at this point, most of the kids are in on the gag. Like, most of them know that they're, quote-unquote, undercover. That, you know, instead of either going to jail with S.H.I.E.L.D. or being criminals with the Masters of Evil, you know, Hazmat talked about, you know, oh, we have a third option. You know, we can be undercover and bring them down from the inside and redeem ourselves. And most of the characters knew about this, but Deathlocket, who I guess has this thing going on with the excavator, the son of Piledriver, like, you know, Chase basically just found it hard to, you know, I think he says something like, I couldn't pry you away from that fucking guy or whatever. It's like, I I, I was thinking about I would have had to follow you to the bathroom or whatever. So it's like, obviously, they're, they're you know, connected at the hip, I guess, is the the best phrase to use. And so he found it hard to explain to her, like we're actually undercover. And what's interesting about that is she, for the most part, is getting really into the lifestyle. Like she was going to try to snipe Cap and, and take him out. But basically, like Chase gets to tackle Death Locket and finally gets through to her, like, hey, we're, we're just supposed to be undercover and everything. And then this was kind of like the what the fuck moment of, of the this series for me, because basically Excavator, who was, you know, connected at the hip with Deathlocket, you know, gets into this big fight with Chase, and they're like, it's time to pick a side. And then she shoots, and then you flash to the page of, you know, Chase with a big fucking hole in his chest. And you're like, oh shit, like, you know, so that was, I don't know, did, did that, uh, did anybody else kind of go, oh shit, or were you not that invested? I know you said Zemo was your touchstone, Mike, so were you, were you not as, um, surprised or anything, or? I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't walk away with a huge impression of Deathlock at After Arena, like, she basically got used as a puppet for that whole time, and then, you know, she seemed kind of naive and sheltered, so, I mean... I was kind of like, oh, wow, okay, well, I, I was like, uh, I, I guess I kind of expected it, mm, like, okay. that, like, I was like, oh, she's probably going to get suckered into it or something, so I was like, oh, man, like, whatever, like, it's not that I like Chase or anything, but I was kind of like, oh, man, like, he was he was trying to, like, make good and stuff, yeah, and you yeah. just well, yeah, I, stabbed I mean, him in the back. Yeah, that was kind of what I was, kind of like, it, it was certainly a shocking moment, I mean, whether you were like, super invested in the character or not, you were, I, I was kind of like, oh, fuck, he just got a hole blown in him, like, that sucks. Like, it seemed like he was, like, really dead for dead reels, you know, type thing. I mean, you know, by the by the next issue, it's like Nico uses her magic to fix his chest, but he's still kind of brain dead, and the tinker still poking around in his, his, his you know, mind and all this other kind of stuff. There was a uh, another sequence where we actually get to follow up with Captain America, who's talking to Maria Hill. But then what was nice was they actually sort of have a callback to the Avengers Academy stuff with Hank Pym. And, you know, Hank Pym is still fighting for these kids, kind of saying, oh, you know, don't don't give up on them. There's got to be a reason yeah. for this. And he, he, he kind of probably, I guess, intuitively knows maybe they're, they're trying to play the system and do this undercover thing, even though he, he hasn't gotten the official phone call yet, but but he's yeah. sort of fighting. I, I really like, like, that That was another part I really liked about this series, is that Hank Pym was treated very, like, you know, well, and uh, he, like, I, I really like later on, where, where he finally does get the phone call, where, like, Hazmat calls him, 
and then like you know like later like uh, anachronism asks her like you know what what did Hank Pym say and she just kind of says oh you know dad stuff yeah like, yeah know, he's so. he's like their dad you know in a way yeah so so I guess the big the big shock and surprise well I guess what they were there for on AIM Island was some kind of shield agent who had all this intel on stuff and you know supposedly this guy is so well protected like psychics and telepaths and everything cannot cannot get the the information the secret intel on shield from his mind but i guess that's what satanish was there chilling at the the arcade bar for because you know they i guess shield can't take into account demonic kind of possession or whatever so it's like you see this poor guy and his eyes are bleeding and i guess you know then satanish gets all this intel and everything and we also see that cammy who i i initially was wondering if constrictor had actually killed her but it turns out she's not dead and she's in a jail cell over <laughs> zemo's like kind of swanky penthouse room or whatever and then i guess in another twist which i kind of saw coming way back because i i didn't really believe that arcade had been blown away to smithereens or whatever it turns out that the real arcade is actually alive and in the cell next to cammy so um, i'm curious about that did you guys see that coming or did you did were you kind of surprised that arcade had quote unquote survived his his uh death blast at the hands of hazmat um, as like a older school X Men fan, it really didn't surprise me because he's died a few times before, and every time it was a robot, and you know he came back, and it was like, oh, that was just one of my murder murder world robots. So, I mean, it was a nice twist. I mean, as far as surprise or seeing not seeing it like coming out of nowhere, uh, it was more like, oh, Ar Arcade's alive, and it was just more like, yeah, he he does that, he does that, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I, I was just kind of thinking of, like, it was, like, all I could think of was, like, a sort of, like, John Byrne thing where it's, like, Arcade strikes a match on Doctor Doom, and then, like, Doctor Doom blows Arcade away. Then, like, Arcade walks out and it was like, ha-ha, it was only an Arcade robot you blew away. <laughs> and then Doctor Doom was like, well, it was only a Doctor Doom robot you struck that match on. So, like, I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, I kind of expected it to, but that's all I thought about basically. Where I was like, "Oh man, like you all have like body doubles or whatever." Yeah. So basically, now we're up to issue eight of the ten issue series, and like the cover is again like one of these, I guess, time skips that all the young kids are doing these days, like Young Justice. Um, it says three months later. And I guess it's supposed to be like uh, what what happened over the summer break. I guess is the the analogy or something that the, the they spent three months of a carefree summer with the mega hip hop masters of evil, and now things are are a slightly different in in those three months. Um, there's an art change. It's not it's not Kev Walker anymore. I guess it's Ty Walker. I don't know if they're related or whatever, but I, the, the art styles pretty different like I, I I guess I just I wasn't it was kind of unnerving you know reading it and it you know it did have at least a consistent art style if if not you know I know I criticized some of the 
choices with the the slinky black dresses and all that stuff. But I mean, I could follow most of what was going on, and it's not like I can't follow what's going on in this issue. But it, it was kind of an abrupt, like, oh, hi there, like this is different, you know, this is like a new artist, you know. So, like, we're doing this now, eh? <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, it didn't it didn't take me by like you know a huge like you know what the hell's going on here. But yeah, yeah, you do get used to a certain style and like especially like a what seems to be a single story arc and like when they change it up right in the middle, you are kind of like, well, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you see Madame Mask and she's meeting up with Sabretooth and Mystique and Madripoor, um, and it looks like they're trying to make some kind of arrangements for some kind of distraction or basically some some something to keep different members of S.H.I.E.L.D. occupied, you know, basically have the left hand making a bunch of noise while the right hand does something else type thing. And there is actually a sequence where Anachronism finally lays a smooch on Hazmat, which is interesting because they were kind of hinting at it over the course of the series, even though we weren't talking about it. And I, 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 I have no problems with it, but it did seem like one of those things where it's like, hey, she likes these big lunky dumb guys doesn't she you know like it's like it's like uh what's his face metal isn't isn't even cold in the grave and she's already like switching <laughs> it up with some big tall you know british dunderhead now too so yeah well you know i mean that's part of the whole teen thing they've got to have the angst and the romance but the hormones gotta have the hormones and yeah. it, it what's funny though is that that's the moment where and I guess this is part of Zemo's plot, so I guess Madame Mask isn't that dumb, but they, they act like she is for a few issues where she's like, oh, I've been drinking the bubbly, so you guys are into the, the you know, the main master plan circle now, like, because you guys just kissed, okay, come on, like, you're part of the inner circle now, awesome. You know, like that's kind of what it felt like, and it was it was kind of weird, but I guess it was all part of Zemo's machinations, you know, type thing. And then, and then this is where we had mentioned it before, where the kids, you know, get her to make a pit stop because they have to take a pee break or something. But in actuality, you know, Hazmat is is bumming a cell phone from somebody at a you know fast food joint or whatever, and contacting Hank Pym, you know, and and you know this is part of the thing that I thought was sort of ass backwards about it. It's like normally if you're undercover, like you you already have the the out, you know, you you have. It's like somebody gets caught and then they make a deal, or you know somebody basically is a cop and they agree to go undercover, you know, like those kind of things, you know, Twenty One Jump Street or whatever, you know. So it's like. It's it, this is a little more ass backwards where it's like, hey, psst. hey, what's up? Yeah, it's me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I robbed like forty forty seven elevens, but I'm trying to bring down the seven eleven ringleader. No, seriously, I am. You know, and it's just like, wait, you, you ripped off how many people, and we didn't know about it. You know, like that kind of thing. So it felt funny to me, but yeah, it's like we're, we're doing some really horrible stuff, but we're going to try to do one really awesome thing. Yeah. I, you know, and, and at this point, you know, the, basically hazmat and anachronism are basically trying to, you know, get the team on board, you know, now that they've contacted Hank Pym and everything. And they still kind of feel like they need to, you know, include Deathlocket and Cullen Bloodstone. And, you know, Deathlocket, I guess over the three summer months, like she's she's into the mega hip hop Masters of Evil hardcore now. So she's like, you know, I I blew away Chase and 
you know, you know, or I, I think it's, it's excavator who says, yeah, she's with us. And he, he, she, she blew that guy away. So you're screwed now. Like she chose us, you know, and Azmat's like, oh shit, you know, <laughs> and, and that starts a big fight between all of them. And then, you know, in the meantime, it looks like Colin Bloodstone is ignoring anachronisms, please at first. But what you find out is Hellstrom's actually controlling him. And now, you know, he's in his full on Azaru mode and, you know, there's a big, you know, fight going on between him and Colin. And of course, like we, we alluded to, you know, you know, Mike's Mike's boy, Zemo, was plotting this all along. And there's this shot of what I, I'm going to call them the Avengers, although there's people in there that I, I don't really consider Avengers per se. But basically, there's this big shot of the Avengers uh, zooming along with all these ships planes and large shield helicarriers at their side. And even though I say it's the Avengers, it's like Spider-Woman's there, so... Yeah! And then... <laughs> that immediately uh, yeah. disqualifies Yeah, I know. You're, you're not an Avenger. Get out of here. But, um... <laughs> and, then, and then there's, like, Captain Britain and, and McGann, you know, from Excalibur or whatever. But, I mean, they, they should be included because some of their students, or former students, I guess, you know, are involved in this, like, anachronism and Cullen Bloodstone. And then, you know, Hyperion's one of the guys that is in that big shot. You know, basically, they're all people, I guess, who can fly. So it's probably easy to stick them in that shot. So where Nighthawk's like, really, guys? You couldn't just pick me up. Come on. <laughs> so uh, by the ninth issue, the cover is indicating Zemo versus the Avengers. And then we, we have another art change. This issue's done by Timothy Green, who I, I think I like better than Ty Walker. Um, as far as, you know, I don't know, consistency or whatever. I mean, it's, it's still another, I guess, quote unquote, fill in artist, but I mean, it, I thought it was better than the, the Ty Walker issue. And, you know, basically Hazmat wins her battle against Deathlocket and she goes to help anachronism against Cullen in his Ozaru mode and everything. And then Nico comes in and she starts going at it with Damien Hellstrom and everything like that. And then we got the scene where Anachronism basically talks down Cullen Bloodstone. And then Cullen Bloodstone, I guess, has to kiss him. And then everybody, like, has a big chuckle over it. And then the kids are about to go for round two with Damien Hellstrom. And then the Avengers bust in. And you've got, this time, besides the people we mentioned before, there's uh, Giant Man, uh, Tigra, Black Widow, and Hawkeye, in addition to, you know, all the folks we mentioned before, like Captain Britain and Spider-Woman's and Hyperion and all that stuff. And so there's this big, huge brawl, and basically at this point, you know, you, you realize that Madame Mask was in on Zemo's whole plan, and how she says she was so impressed that the plan is coming to fruition now. And in the middle of this big brawl, you know, it's kind of like, is the word given, Admiral? And Zemo's like, the word is given. You know, so, like, then, you know, basically, you know, they pull this Kirk, you know, awesome Kirk move or whatever, and, you know, Hellstrom basically ports them all with the Hellfire out of this underground base. They all get on the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, and then they basically bury the Avengers and, like, all these S.H.I.E.L.D. people in their screwy, stupid base or whatever. So it's like that, basically, the good guys are trapped, and whatever S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are still left above are getting trashed by the mega hip-hop masters of evil. So, you know, basically now Zemo has control of all these, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarriers. And then, again, th there was this weird moment with the art for me 
where all the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents obviously have similar outfits and everything, but there was this one moment where Madame Mask shoots a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in the head, and at first I was like, did she just shoot Maria Hill in the head? Which I would have <laughs> thought was awesome, but it wasn't Maria Hill. It was like, it, it was like it was weird. Apparently Maria Hill is buried with all the other Avengers or something, even though I don't remember seeing her in any of the splash pages. But it's like, it, the, the way the panel breakdown went, it was like... The, there was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who was a female who had dark hair, so why wouldn't you think it's Maria Hill, but it wasn't. And then she was talking to another guy who was on the helicarrier, and when Madame Mask got ported in with the Hellfire, then she shot that guy in the head. So I assume it's the guy who was playing Galaga in the Avengers movie, and he got shot in the head. But it, it, it was hard to figure out at first or whatever. And so Deathlocket is, is of course, full-on, you know, mega-hip-hop Masters of Evil chick now. And so she is now helping Zemo um, with all the electronic stuff, you know, basically taking it over the helicarrier so they can, you know, quote-unquote, win the war against all the, you know, the good guys or whatever. And in the meantime, I guess Cammy snuck aboard, and she was able to escape the prison. And then that brings us to the final issue. And at this point, this is kind of what I was talking about before, where I was like, there's only one more issue. And I was like, wait a minute, how did Cammy get out of prison? I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute, like, how how is Arcade still alive? Like, wait a minute. Like, I, and I had all these questions, like, and I was like, I don't know if they're going to be able to wrap all this up in, like, one issue, given the the decompressed style of storytelling that, that most people are used to. <laughs> hey, but, isn't Jay still in a coma? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, and I have to be honest, like, I think they did a pretty good job of wrapping it up. I mean, you know, they, they deal with how Arcade uh, is still alive in flashback. You know, they, they set up how he came to Baron Zemo and that Baron Zemo created essentially... Like, not, not a life model decoy, but kind of like an organic model decoy. You know, you can see, like, the the muscles and the sinew tones and all this other stuff. So it's like they, they made some kind of, you know, I guess, you know, bishop organic type copy of him for them to blow away and everything. And he's just, he was just, Zemo was just hanging on to the real arcade as insurance if they needed him and everything. I guess they're trying to promote the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel book, because even though she wasn't in, like, the last three issues when the Avengers came in, like, she's there now, underground, like, being buried with everybody. And, you know, Sabretooth and Mystique are doing their distraction stuff. They're attacking London. There's all these satanish-type demons attacking rocks on oil. And then the young mega-hip-hop masters or bastards of evil or whatever the hell they are are all attacking the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. And so at this point, Cammy's caught again by the constrictor, but apparently she uploads this file called MW underscore God Mode in all caps. And we're like, hmm, I'm like, what could that be? MW, Murder World underscore God Mode. So I guess that's her, her ace in the hole or whatever. I don't know. I was laughing at stupid Agent Brand from, you know, S.W.O.R.D. because there's a clip of her, like, you know, I don't know, choking on her donut or whatever when all this stuff is going down because Zemo has commandeered, like, these three shield helicarriers or whatever. And, you know, I don't know, you want to talk about Zemo's, you know, villain speech that's not a villain speech, Mike? I mean, is that something that kind of floated your boat? Like, were you into that? 
Yeah, like I, I, I was into it in, in so far as like I think it, it really fits with Zemo's like mo like nowadays basically where it seems like <laughs> at least until like Rick Remender got his hands on Zemo and in all new Captain America or whatever it seems like he likes teaching people lessons now basically where you know when he he like. He's, like, been a thorn in the side of, like, Hawkeye and, like, Bucky Cap and stuff, and he, it just seemed like he seemed to be, like, teaching them a lesson, basically, and, and I don't I don't know, like, he, he went after Bucky Cap because he was kind of like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 like, you did all these, like, murders and you were, like, a sleeper agent and, like, you get to be Captain America now? Like, you know, he's like... I worked for my like redemption, and then they do like you people spit in my face. So that does not that's not fair. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a lesson and stuff. And he sort of has like a similar sort of like campaign against Hawkeye and stuff, like in Hawkeye uh, Blind Spot, the miniseries. But like in this this case, like I think yeah, it's 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 a lot like uh, a bigger scale where he's kind of like um. Like he, well, he pretty much says, like, you know, you know uh, these people, like, can, like, spy on you, like, kill you with satellites and stuff, and, like, we're the bad guys? Like, you know, he's kind of, like, you know, he kind of gives this whole speech against, like, Big Brother, kind of, and he kind of says that S.H.I.E.L.D. is, like, Big Brother. Yeah, yeah, he, he basically kind of gives S.H.I.E.L.D. the middle finger, you know? Yeah, and he's just kind of like, I can, like, switch all this off with, like, a button, and I, I'll let the people decide, you know, is this what you want? Because I'll do it. But, you know, we see what happens, basically. I mean, it, it does, it, I mean, at this point, the series is almost wrapped up. I mean, the, the basic turning over of Zemo is that Cammy now has Arcade's God Mode from Murder World, and I guess that needed to be set up you know, for convenience sake or whatever, but, you know, now it, it's it's you know, basically proved their undoing because now Cammy is basically as powerful as Arcade was during the whole Avengers Arena thing. So she gets to, you know, take out Arcade and Zemo and all his various captains and everything. And, you know, I don't know. Then then Cammy gives a big speech and she's like, Fuck this planet. <laughs> flies back <laughs> to outer space. I, I guess it, it's kind of weird because there is some kind of follow-up with all the kids and everything. I can't remember, did did Chase ever come out of his his coma or whatever it was? Yeah, I think I think he's seen, like, chilling at the lake. Okay, okay, so they had a, yeah. you know, Chase is going to be A-OK, yo, Joe scene. And, you know, there's, there's some sequences with Captain Britain kind of, you know, putting his arm on Anachronism's shoulder and things like that. So, I mean, most parts... It seems like, you know, a happy ending for all the kids and everything. And But what what's odd, too, is even though Cammy sort of defeats Zemo to a point, I mean, ultimately, Zemo, you know, it, it's one of those Greg Wiseman, you know, wins within a win or something thing, because it's like, or, or, you know, win within a loss thing or whatever, because, you know, even though, you know, Zemo doesn't have everything that he started out with, Zemo still has a cloaked helicarrier that he can take anywhere, and he's quote unquote off the grid, you know. Like, and and the, basically the way the series ends is Arcade's tied up at the front of this helicarrier, and they're about to like go, you know, to water and zoom along, 
And he's like, ah, ha, ha, you guys are our laugh riot. You know, you're going to you're going to take me down from this any minute. Right. You know, and it's like, nope, <laughs> you know, he's stuck <laughs> yeah. out there, you know, I know, I know what I really liked. Like, even after his plans, like totally been defeated, like after Cammy smacks Arcade down, like Zemo's like, you know, thank you for that. Like, you know, I know I know we're like we're enemies, but man, thank you. For yeah, thank you for, for slapping around that douchebag. I also like like after Cammy like knocks them all around, he's like he kind of like sits like constrictors like on top of him and stuff, and he's on the ground. And he's like he's like, can someone explain to me how this child has like totally destroyed my plan in like two seconds? Like please. But I don't know. I, I like I said, I, I really enjoyed Zemo in this mini mini maxi series. I guess yeah. He just had a lot of good lines, and he, like even like you said, even in defeat, it seems like he came out of it with something basically. Yeah, this, even though this was like Avengers Undercover, it definitely seemed like this was also like it could have been called like Avengers Undercover slash Bastards of Evil or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. It certainly does seem to focus on you know Zemo and the Mega Hip Hop Masters of Evil and everything, and I, I feel like I know some of those characters better than I. I obviously did previously to having you know read this series. So, and and the, and the kids from Avengers Arena, Derek, which you were a fan of, they definitely come off less like assholes in this, except for uh, Deathlocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they they. I guess you know, in some cases, they've probably earned some of their their redemption. You know. And that lake scene at the end with the kids, you can see, like, Bloodstone talking with Stryker. And I was like, oh, don't talk with Stryker. He's a fucking douchebag. Like, <laughs> like I actually like Bloodstone, so I'm kind of like, oh, man, don't take up with him. He's a douchebag. That's funny. I actually did like Colin, because, like, I, I knew there was going to be at some point some type of redemption arc or something like that, and that's cool and everything. But it was kind of nice that there was this guy who was you know, a part of the younger generation who was, like, a, a legitimate heavy hitter, like a badass. That was, like, kind of cool. I I think all the kids, like, when we talked about Arena, like, I think we, we, we talked about how, like, all the kids were all, like, really, like, eventually, like, uh, at first, your first reaction is to be, like, you know, all oh, these characters are awful. But then eventually you kind of, like, see that they they all have, like, a role to play and they're all, they have a unique power set and stuff. You know, I, I was kind of fond of them by, or most of them at least by the end. And like, like I said, even the ones that I didn't connect with anyway, like Deathlock, and I was like, okay, fine, you can go be an evil little so and so. Deathlock, and I always think of Deathlock, which I'm sure is the the intent. But I'm just like, you're no Deathlock, ma'am. <laughs> I mean, overall, I'm I'm happy. I, you know, it was an enjoyable read and everything. I I do think that you know. Even even though I was impressed with the way they wrapped it up, it it did feel a little rushed, like you know. But, yeah, but it, it clearly it was certainly, it was certainly well handled. But I, I feel like you know maybe they were promised twelve issues and they only got ten or something. Yeah, definitely. I I got that idea. Tra- Transformers guess... Rebirth Saga all over again. <laughs> Yeah, at least like like you said, like he I think what's his name Dennis Hopeless like wrapped it up with elements that were already in play, basically, without, like, you know, inventing something out of thin air. Yeah. You know, even the God mode, like, that had already been established, or, like, earlier in the series. Yeah. Like, so. 
Yeah, it lasted longer than New Warriors, at least. Whatever. <laughs> uh, New Warriors still lasted 12 issues, so this this only got 10, so... I know, uh, I know. Whatever. I'm just bitter about New Warriors. <laughs> yeah. That's why, like, I'm disappointed that, like, I guess Zemo's back to being a, like, uh, yes, I, I am doing the Nazi thing again, yeah, like, over in all-new Captain America or whatever. Like, uh, he's, like, head of Hydra again or something, and they, I guess... Remender just kind of ignored the fact, like with the cloaked Zemo carrier or whatever. Huh. So yeah, yeah people can say what they want about the people can say what they want about the '90s, but '90s gave it gave Mike his favorite version of Baron Zemo. So maybe even the I don't know was that version of, was Helmet Zemo in the '80s or the '90s? I was gonna say. Like, well, yeah, well, I, I think he just means like the Thunderbolts type stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I no, I know. I was just trying to think of when he first showed up. Yeah, he, pro- but, yeah, showed, no. up, he probably showed up in the eighties. Like it was, it was during J.M. DiMatteis and the Mike Zek cap run. I mean, I, well, at least that you know when he was wearing the Baron Zemo costume. Anyway, if you want to talk yeah. about when he was like the Phoenix, then I don't the think those who was. Yeah. Who was doing the book then, and that was like probably back in the early seventies. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, long time ago. Yeah, but yeah, like the 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 characterization he's gotten from Thunderbolts, like until like now, like has made you know he's definitely one my one of my favorite Marvel villains slash anti heroes. And uh, I'm glad that, that this series handled him like he was. He was very charismatic in this series. Yeah, I think uh, I think most of the people were treated pretty well. I mean, it, to me, it's interesting because I I like Constrictor, and I I think he had those um, sort of ping pong pangs, you know, where he was he was a bad guy, and then you know, in the initiative, you know, they were trying to push him towards that whole you know good guy Sandman type role, and you know, even in in slots the thing, you know. But it seemed like once Diamondback kind of abandoned him, you know, he got all butthurt yeah. and kind of went back to being, you know, what he knew, you know, kind of being a, a thug, yeah. you know. And it's like when I look at it that way, that that's kind of how I rationalize that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, you know, yeah. he, he, he thought he was going to be happy and he probably really cared about Diamondback. And then, you know, it all went to pot, you know, so so I, I don't, I you know. I mean, obviously, it's all fictional, and I'm not being directly affected by any nefarious doings of the constrictor. But I was like, ah, I can kind of see why he, he, you know, took up the. <laughs> well, what we learned from Avengers Undercover is sex ruins everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least he got the final laugh on Arcade after yeah, Arcade. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, there's that one moment where it's like, you know, yes, you will get Arcade, and I am through with him. You know, like. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get arcade, right? Yeah. Well. I liked, uh, there were a couple, like, funny, like, other, like, Zemo moments that I thought kind of, like, humanized him a bit, where but when he's talking on the, the phone and they're like, that sounds like you burnt that toast. And he's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> like, he's trying to, and he's got, like, a piece of toast with purple jam on it. Like, who, I thought that was pretty Who was he talking to on the phone? I never, I don't think I, I figured that out. I was assuming it was what's her face oh, arcades. Uh, oh, 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 Miss um, uh, Miss Cupid, yeah. whatever the fuck her name was. Whatever, yeah, arcades like number former number two. Yeah, 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 yeah. His, his, then, his money penny, yeah. And then I liked when he when he was giving his speech to the world, and he was like, you know, 
There is no, like, Alderaan here for me to blow up. Like, I am not Lord Vader, you know? <laughs> and which, which is kind of a, like, I'm sure it wasn't maybe intentional, but it's kind of a, like, a, a Thunderbolts throwback where, he, like, Zemo's kind of like a closet movie buff or uh, whatever. Like, like there's there's a funny moment where I I forgot he makes some reference and the fixer like does like a double take and he's like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 you've seen Animal House? And like Zemo's kind of like, no. And then like he kind of stops and he's like, okay, yes, but I was rooting for the dean, you know. So, but yeah, like I, I love little like moments like that. So. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <clears throat> that's like the the biggest thing Marvel usually does. Then not not you know decrying my my all time favorite DC, but like Marvel when they hit those nice little character notes, especially with villains, it's always really good. You know that's why people like Magneto so much. He has those nice little human moments, and you just can't have villains who are just like you know, blah, I will destroy the world. I am evil for evil's sake. Well, you know you can't have Superboy Prime all the fucking time. You know. Yeah. That's like I said, that's why I'm I'm kind of disappointed that it seems like Zemo's well I guess he he's Zemo seems to be ready for a bigger media push soon if he's gonna be in the movies, like they're rumoring. So I guess they gotta make him like I don't know, a big <laughs> Let's deal. one dimensional this fucker up real quick now, Larry. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Yes, I am doing the Nazi thing again. Yeah, you know. Like let's <laughs> let I shall be evil, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, what can you do? What are you going to do, Zemo? I'm going to destroy Captain America. I guess this this kind of wraps up our whole discussion on Avengers Undercover and kind of what we thought of it. If you're interested in it, go ahead, check it out, let us know what you think. But we are going to move on to one of our regularly scheduled segments, which is what is awesome in your world this week. And if this is your first time listening, this is just kind of a segment where we like to discuss something, whether it's a new form of entertainment, you know, a comic, a movie, or just something really cool, maybe a purchase we stumbled across or something that we're really big fans of. So I guess I will start with Mr. Tony Jackson and ask him, what is awesome in your world this week? Uh, this is toy-related. Re- toy um, did a little bit of shopping around the uh, town this week. I picked up the Machine Man from Marvel Infinite series. Pretty cool figure. Um, as Derek is well aware of, I like classic versions of characters a lot more than current versions. And despite the fact that he's really metallic looking in his color scheme, everything else is totally like Kirby Machine Man. He's got go-go gadget arms. He's got like these cool eyes. And the head sculpt is just really good. I would say uh, it just it's just a nice figure. You know, it's nothing ostentatious. It's not like, you know, going to change or revolutionize your life. But if you like Aaron Stack and you like Machine Man, totally pick him up. And on uh, honorable mention, I also picked up the TIE Fighter pilot from Star Wars series Black. And he he's nothing really special, but he's a nicely done figure. And if you like the Imperials, you definitely want him in your collection. Yeah, I was laughing. I still haven't opened up any of the TIE Fighter pilots I got from Amazon yet, but I do really like, I, I think Machine Man is one of the highlights from that Avengers wave, so I'm happy you, you found him. Cool, thank you. He looks, yeah, he looks really cool. Um, I think I would have preferred, like, the next wave, like, version for a toy, but, like, I, I it's like that kind of, like, neo-classic Iron Man, where okay. I was kind of like, man, that's a real nice figure. Like, even if I don't, like, prefer that design 
I'm like, damn you, sir, I will have my classic machine man for my Avengers George Perez poster homage. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. I, I, I endorse your statement 100%. Sorry. <laughs> what about you, Mike? What's your awesome thing of the week? Uh, a couple of TV-related thing, things. Um, I watched uh, the premiere of The Last Man on Earth with Will Forte on, on Fox. That was a that was a pretty amusing like premiere. Like I, I was wondering how it was gonna like the the premise of the show was that Will Forte is like the is literally the last man on Earth, and like he he's the only person on the planet, or so he thinks. So he goes around and he basically does like all the things you want to do when there's no one around, you know. Uh, and like I was wondering how that show would sustain itself, but you know they they answer that pretty quickly. And like I thought it was a good idea for a series, so like I was amused by that. I, I totally want a pool toilet. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty funny. It's like this is my toilet. <laughs> but uh, um, and the other thing was um, Conan O'Brien filmed it, went to Cuba and filmed like a a whole episode in Cuba this past week, which I thought was really cool and like. Conan always does his best, like, material when he's on location, and, like, it, it was hilarious. Like, I, I, there was so many things I was laughing at, and, like, he kept, like, making fun of the fact that he only knows, like, high school Spanish, basically. So, like, he, he was, like, singing a song with this band, and, like, he was, like, throwing every Spanish word he could into the song. And, like, it was just, like, they, they subtitled it, and it was, like, complete nonsense. And then... <laughs> Like, I don't know, it was just really funny, and, like, uh, he he was kind of, the, the funniest part was, like, he goes, like, at the beginning of the episode, he goes, I was worried my Spanish might not be up to snuff, but, like, I think I'm going to do okay, and he, like, points at a sign, and it, <laughs> there's a big picture of a sandwich on the sign, and underneath it says, L Sandwich, <laughs> I think I'll be okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so that whole episode really cracked me up. Yeah. So those are my awesome things. Cool. Very cool. Uh, just real quick, my awesome thing of the week is going to be an original Marvel graphic novel. I just wanted to give a shout-out to Thanos, the Infinity Revelation. And it's it's a fairly recent graphic novel. I mean, it came out in 2014. I actually saw it on one of those CBR, like, top 100 comics you should have read in 2014 or whatever, and I hadn't realized that it was something that was released, but actually, it's by Jim Starlin, and you know, the art and the story, so it is from the creator of Thanos, and it's it's a pretty intelligent, and and I, I just, I enjoyed it, it's, it's, it's kind of got a lot of, uh, you know... <sighs> I don't know what, I, other than, I, I, I wanted to think of, like, some other word other than intelligent, but my mind is blanking, because I'm a dumbass. But, um, you know, it's like, it, it basically is a well-written story. If you, if you are a fan of classic Thanos, you know, basically, this is by Thanos' creator, and it certainly plays that up. I mean, it, it definitely feels like old-school Jim Starlin-type stuff. And it's in a graphic novel format, so the illustrations get to be very grandiose and, you know, widescreen and big scope and everything like that. And as far as, like, if I, I guess, it, you know, I, I have no problem with certain modern versions of Marvel comics. I don't know that I love 
Jason Aaron's miniseries on Thanos, but I have no problems with like Jonathan Hickman's take on Thanos in Infinity or whatever. But if if you're the type of person that likes to see maybe the original guy poke fun at other takes on his character, there certainly is that element to it as well, where, you know, there are certain aspects where it's like, huh, I did what? Oh, yes, that wasn't me. That was some other asshole. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So it's like like there there is that kind of nitpicking or, or, or poking fun at someone else's interpretation of quote-unquote your character you know so so if you get a kick out of those things you know you you probably would enjoy the graphic novel and it is called infinity revelation cool all right well i guess that wraps up this episode for tonight join us next week where we will be covering some awesome avengers goodness uh continuing avengers month if you have any questions comments concerns uh, you can send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We're on the regular fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream podcast episodes. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. We have an Instagram, a Tumblr. So there's all kinds of cool different ways to get in contact with us via social media. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. And this is Tony, and I don't think this impression still makes any fucking relevance to what we just talked about. It's all right, Colin. You're going to be all right. <laughs> We're going to be all right. No one gets us, because we don't explain it. I need a little caption box underneath. He just was talking about Charlotte Copley, who was in Dale Blomkamp's film, Tappy. <laughs> <laughs> a little editorial box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a fan of all American movies, except for that Chappie one. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> RoboCop 3 was great, though. Pedro Zemo! It's like Zemo's a fan of, of Hollywood movies, but then he went and joined Hydra again. Does not compute. <laughs> Hydra's everywhere, man. Yeah. You know what I really like? I like the I like the trauma films. The Toxic Avenger. It is my favorite film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Class of Newcom High. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>